Do not use living beings to represent the token. That's a ruling. <laughs> Have you ever wished you could see a centaur driving a submarine? What about a dinosaur at the helm of a Viking longboat? Well, I have good news for you. That can happen with the introduction of the magic, with the vehicle type and crew ability on this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. Hello and welcome to this wonderful episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. As always, I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined by my good friend, level one judge and co-host, Joe, say hi, Joe. Hello, listeners. All right, and so starting off the top of the episode, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to give us, you want to tell us about your uh, favorite uh, magic experience or one of your best uh, magic memories, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. And I know I mentioned it a couple episodes, several episodes ago. Uh, about the Discord server. Uh, it's almost ready to go live. I'm still putting the finishing touches on it uh, and trying to figure out all of the bots that we want to have on it. So stay tuned for that. With all of that out of the way, let's get to our decks that we've been working on. Joe, why don't you take it? Because mine's going to be fun to finish on. So I have a new deck that I did put together and I'm interested and eager to try it out. I haven't gotten to do it yet. It is a Loreen and Kemba partnered commander deck. Now, these two partners, they are, they are partner with each other. So they're not just the generic partner, but it creates a Rakdos deck that has targeted goading as its main mechanic. So the whole deck is set up so that a number of my creatures will either create tokens, whether it's artifact tokens like treasure or clues or food. And then I also have a number of cards in there that create like small creature tokens. Loreen's ability is two generic sack a creature or artifact goad target creature. So the idea being I create a bunch of tokens that I just have sitting there. I can use them as chump blockers if necessary, or ideally I'm going to ramp myself a lot at the beginning, pay a couple mana, sacrifice something, and then I'll be able to decide which creatures are going to combat on your turn. So I basically get to control combat. So it's kind of like an anti-group hug combat phase. Kind of. And I, I did some play testing like with my own decks, and it's it's really interesting because it, it has that political mindset to it where you feel like you're a part of combat, but if I'm actually doing any of the damage with my own creatures, something is horribly wrong. You know, I, I should not be attacking. I should be making everyone else hit each other and stay away from me. It's almost like an anti... So, an anti-pillow fort. Not like, you know... Yeah. It not kind of like in the same sense as an anti-hero. It's right. an anti-pillow fort. You're even though you're still doing things, you aren't just hiding behind. Right. You you aren't hiding behind anything. You're just going there like, hey, you're gonna swing. It's like, hey, you're gonna swing, not at me. Exactly. Well, and then I've also put because of course I have to protect Lorene. Um, so I do have you know your standard your whisper silk cloak, your your swift foot boots, your protection items. You know yep. we've talked about those before. Um, but I also put in some curses 
that I can put on my opponents to make it more enticing to attack your other players. So again, you're not going to get any benefit by attacking me. But if you say attack this other person, you may get to exile the top card of their library and you may get to play it instead of letting your opponent play that card. So yes, I may tell you that you have to attack with your creature, but you may also go ahead and get some benefit off of it. So don't get mad at me just because I'm telling you, yes, you're not allowed to swing that big thing at me. It also has to swing. I did have one fun time where, again, playtesting, I was, I had my Exalted deck in there. And initially I was like, oh, this is not going to be a good matchup against these two because, you know, I'm only looking to really goad one creature at a time. Well, again, playtesting and everything, the way it ended up working out, I realized, well, if you goad two creatures off of the Exalted deck and make two of them attack, they lose their bonuses. They're going to swing into other players. And exalted creatures are typically weak without the bonuses. Because that's that's what the exalted deck goes for. It's a weak creature, but it gets bigger and bigger because it's attacking alone. And I just was able to annihilate the defenses of the exalted deck because I made it swing out with two creatures one time. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited to play test it against other people and see how it works. It's different. It's unique. People are not going to know these commanders because they were part of the uh, Rakdos precon from Crimson Val, which is, you know, that's where I pulled the creatures. So I'm really excited about it. It was just a lot of fun and it's different. You don't see targeted goading a lot. You see goad this player, goad this player. Yeah, well, you know. target goading target creatures rather than exactly. players. rather than players. You usually see this player is goaded and all their creatures have to do something. But instead, I'm taking it, no, it's going to be very pinpoint precision. Who needs to attack? Because I don't care where it goes, it's just not allowed to come at me. That's the deal. Chris, tell us about this awesome game you got to play. Alright, well, before I get to that, uh, have a, so I, I was working on um, a new deck. Uh, okay. I was... Uh, I finally got around to tearing apart uh, Omnath. Oh, all uh, right. Omnath, Locus of Mana, and I kind of retooled it a little bit mm -hmm. to be uh, Eurovo. Right, so, yeah, you, we were talking about so that. So I retooled it to there, and I was, and I know that I have a copy of the Ozolith. Yes. So I started going through all of my cards. Oh, no. It then turned into, well, if I'm already, go if I'm going through my cards, might as well start, or might as well reorganize them. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It started, and all I was doing was separating out, separating uh, rares and mythics away from all of the others. Yeah. And uh, currently, I have four stacks that are at least six in. I would not be surprised. Rares. Yeah, I would not and, be surprised. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I have all of those cards that I still have to go through, and I'm probably going to be getting a new binder just to put all those in. <laughs> but that's <laughs> not go. the fun thing. <laughs> so the fun thing was, it wasn't a deck that I played myself. I played against. It. And it was a commander deck, but he called it his un-EDH because all of the cards in it, except for the basic lands due to uh, the price point of the basic lands of the unsets, every single card in there was an uncard except for the basic lands. So we're talking unglued, uh, unsanctioned, unhinged, unstable. Uh, oh, right. Uh, unstable, unhinged, unglued, unsanctioned. Yep, and yeah, those four. That's I, it. And yeah. I can't wait till April because then Infinity comes Unfinity, out, yeah. and he's gonna probably update it. Um, but so so normally in Commander, uncards are not 
allowed unless you know you have the rule zero conversation. Right. It, it's you. You have to be very specific. Like I have an uncard in here. It does this. It's for this reason. Am I okay to play it? And uh, the player was like, "Yeah." So I have this deck. It's all uncards. And I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be fun." It's like. I'm perfectly fine with it. The other guy, because there was only three of us playing. Gotcha. And uh, the other guy was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Uh, he was playing, uh, I was playing my, uh, the Humans Tribal one, the Kadila? Katilda. Yeah, Katilda. I was playing Katilda. He was playing Brago. And then the commander that, uh, the un, of the un-EDH deck was uh, Phoebe, uh, head of Sneak. And, uh, like, not once did he... Um, cast his commander, but he was playing cards like Topsy Turvy, which not only reverses the turn order, but also reverses the phases of the turn. So instead of starting out at your untap, you're starting at your end phase. That's that's just completely confusing. So like we even had no like we had a notepad like with like the steps in reverse order written out. Um, he was he played one an enchantment where it was a uh, um. You had to exile all of the, uh, you had to exile all of the car, all the creatures, all players control, uh, shuffle them into a random, into like a random pile. Right. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you get to grab one of those creatures and put it into play. Oh, so it turns into like a Momir Vig kind of an idea. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) except, uh, that happened and then Topsy Turvy came down. Oh my word! So oh, we no. so, so each turn we got a free creature at the, at end, the end of your of turn. turn. <laughs> so like we could, and it was just really interesting. Like it, it was a blast to play against. Like and it was just really fun because he was playing uncards. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I only know a handful of them. Like um, Alexander Clamilton. Yeah, Ock Hans Run. You know, just you know, cheaty face. Or, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Johnny, uh, combo player? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, handful of cards. Yeah. I don't know any of the others. Yeah. And so he's just throwing out all of these cards, and we're like, what does it do? Oh, there was one where, uh, it was, uh, I can't remember what it was, but pretty much it was, as it comes into play, you, uh, designate a word. And if, uh, if you say the word, your opponents have five seconds to imitate the sound of a bell. If if no player, uh, if players fail to do so, uh, at the end of five seconds, draw a card. I bet. Uh, did he get a lot of cards? You know what word he chose? Don't. Oh, that's that's a pretty common word. Well, no, because every single like every time it came to us, it's like eh, because we were announce. You know, you don't do the normal thing of announce what steps, what, right? What phases you're going into? And I was like. And moving to combat phase, please don't attack me. Hey, five seconds. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> and then, like, like one guy ended up going just, like, ding. And I was like, bing bong. Close enough. <laughs> Dude, it just needed to be acknowledged. And it was like, but it was such a blast. And I can't wait until April when yeah. Unfinity comes out because I'm going to be pre-ordering a box. And I got a lovely phone call today saying uh from our lgs saying that the boxes came in and that mine's ready for pickup tomorrow for neon dynasty neon dynasty i pre-ordered nice i'm still on the fence about it but uh i think i might i think i might like there's a few cards in there like 
what I'm really hoping for is the new Tamio. Yeah, because, all completed one, yeah. Because it's completed, and I love, like, I was always, like, we've done, like, there have been instances of hybrid mana of, mm -hmm. like, colorless and, or color. Yeah, like, but Phyrexian, like, uh, Scarecrow, uh, Scarecrow King or something like that. Um, Reap Reaper King. Reaper King, yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, two and a white, or two or a white, two, like, yeah, it was two hybrid. generic or red, two generic yeah. or green. Yeah. So it was either it was a combination. The lowest you pay is five, right? Wooberg, or you pay up to ten. Yeah. And so they did stuff like that, or and then you know normal guild hybrids and stuff yeah. like that. But they've never done any of them with uh, Phyrexian man. Yeah. So I'm like, that's cool. I really hope it keeps. I really yeah. hope it comes back out, and you know we get to see more of it. And we called it. There was a Praetor on... Uh, there was a Praetor. Yeah. And we... And I can't remember who it was, but someone was like... I think it was the EDH rec guys. They were like, yeah, it's probably going to be Jin Cataxia. Who is it? Who's of the course. Praetor there? Jin Cataxia. Yep. Like, awesome. It's going to be good. So I'm excited. Uh, Pre-release tomorrow. Uh, you know, from the time of this recording, it's going to be a fun time. All right. Let's talk about our words to live by. The first comes from... Well, it's slang, really, for a group of players, mostly used in terms of commander games, a designated four-player group, also known as the uh, group of people that are in a draft circle. This is the word pod, just a group of players. All right, what's our other one, Chris? The other one is brewing. Now, there's many unofficial steps and phases to cr constructing a, a deck. Well, whenever you're uh, trying to brew up an idea of the deck, that's... What this is, is you are trying to get the idea of the deck home. You're just, you're making a list of, if you're making a commander deck, you're grabbing all the cards, you're, you're starting at like 150, 200 cards. And you're, and yeah. so you're just kind of brewing through everything to pretty much. You're trying to distill it all down. I was going to say concentrate yeah. it, like, you know, yeah, let it percolate. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're just trying, you're trying to get that main idea focused so that you can have a solid deck. As or as solid of a deck the first time round, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, because I mean, even with commander, like especially with commander, like I don't think any commander deck is really truly fully built. No, it's it, always you're constantly brewing. It's either in playtesting or brewing. Yeah, and it's never leaving those just because of all the cards that are coming. Exactly. Out. All right, so let's get to the focus on vehicles and crews. So for a little bit of the history, it was released in uh, the Kaladesh set as a flavorful concept that fit the world uh, that was not reliant on mana. Uh, it has appeared sporadically in small quantities in sets since Kaladesh. Uh, most, uh, namely, I think one of the most recent ones was... Uh, most notable ones was Kaldheim. Kaldheim had several, but one one or two have popped up. I mean, there was one in uh, Crimson Val. Uh, there were a handful in uh, uh, the Exelon block. Right. We had pirate ships in the Exelon block. We had a couple in War of the Spark. We had one or two in Throne of Eldraine. They pop up sporadic. And really, they are based on flavor more than anything else. Um, I mean, my favorite yeah. one... One of my favorite vehicles is, uh, I think it's like Pumpkin Carriage from, yeah, from uh, um, Throne of Eldraine. And yeah. it's, it enters the battlefield and you create mice token. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever used it, but... <laughs> but, I mean, with... But, yeah. But with uh, uh, Kamigawa, 
coming back out and you yep. know being very focused around vehicles again just well artifact creatures and yeah everything like that vehicles have made a comeback will be making a decent appearance there i mean they and there are some powerful ones oh yeah like i have seen really broken combos already um that deal with vehicles and yeah. and every one of them uh included at least one card from neon dynasty yeah and like i'm looking at all these combos and stuff like that and i'm like well this goes to show you that if you sit down and really think about it you can break almost every card yeah yeah oh yeah you can if it has if it has an ability you can probably break it oh yeah absolutely speaking of breaking things let's talk about the rules you need to know in order to break all of these abilities so here are the rules we're actually looking at two sets of rules for today so the first is 301.7. Some artifacts have the subtype vehicle. Most vehicles have a crew ability, which allows them to become artifact creatures. And this will take us over to rule 702.122, which is crew. Crew is an activated ability of vehicle cards. Crew N means tap any number of untapped creatures you control with total power N or greater. This permanent becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. So again, remember, it's an activated ability. All right, And all you have to do is get that minimum number in terms of power. It doesn't matter how many creatures you decide to tap. Uh, as long as you get that minimum power, you're good to go. 702.122B. A creature, quote, crews a vehicle, unquote, when it's tapped to pay the cost to activate a vehicle's crew ability. We're just talking about some slang here so that people understand that when you say this object is crewed uh, or I'm using this to crew a vehicle, people know what you're talking about in the game. 702.122C. If an effect states that a creature can't crew vehicles, that creature can't be tapped to pay the crew cost of a vehicle. So again, this is just another restriction and clarifying some of the terminology on cards uh, so that you know we're all speaking the same language. And that's really it when it comes to rules. The, this isn't an overly complex mechanic. It's nowhere uh, near as bad as banding. Nowhere near as bad as, yeah, nowhere near, or mutate. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> you know, so no, it's a very straightforward ability, very simple to understand. Just remember, Crew is an activated ability. And it's kind of weird because you, you don't see it as the standard activated ability setup. Usually you'll see cost colon effect. And crew doesn't show up that way. It shows up as crew with a number. And then in the reminder text, it'll have in there tap any number of creatures you control with total power N or more colon. This vehicle becomes an artifact creature in of turn. But you don't always see that on the card, depending on the artwork. Sometimes it's not printed there. So you want to make sure you remember that it is an activated ability, and it's kind of the same way as equip. Equip isn't an act, or equip is an activated ability that doesn't always have the activated ability text, or it doesn't look like an act. So, and we have several featured cards that we want to talk about here. Some of the older ones, some of the newer ones. Chris, which one do you want to start with? Uh, I say we start. I say we just go down the list. All right. That way we can go from oldest to newest. Have at it. Alrighty. So the first featured card is Smuggler's Copter. It's an artifact vehicle uh, with a mana cost of two generic. It has flying, and uh, whenever Smuggler Copter attacks or blocks, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Its crew cost is one, and it's a three-three. So this one back in standard 
this one was very popular just because of that uh, the looting ability. Well, that and the flying ability on top of it. Well, but yeah, yeah. People desired it because of the, the loot ability. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's still banned in Pioneer. Yeah. If that tells you how powerful it is. Yeah. Um, but this one is pretty much, you're going to see a very common theme, theme with uh, all of these, uh, um, with a majority of the vehicles, with being low costing to get out. Yeah. But it's the crew... It's the crew cost that gets you is where it gets kind of tricky. And then also the fact that you have to control that artifact yeah. for one turn. That is true. You still, you know, that's, I didn't, because yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Until I started doing uh, research into vehicles. So you have to control that artifact um, in order for it to attack. But if you control it, you can still crew it to block. You can, yes, but in order to attack with it, it will it, it does deal with summoning sickness same mm -hmm. way. So if you play it and then crew it the turn you put it into play, it will not be able to attack or tap to use any abilities. It still suffers from summoning sickness. Chris, I know you were really excited about this next one, and it's one of the ones that you specifically brought up, so I want to let you talk about this one too. All right, so the next one is Heart of Kiran. Uh, Kiran or, yeah, I'm going to go with Heart of Kiran. Um, it... Again, this one is, it's, uh, mana cost is too generic. It's a legendary artifact vehicle with flying, vigilance, uh, crew three, and also you may remove a loyalty counter from a planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kieran's crew cost. And it's a 4-4. So this one was very popular in, like, Red Deck Wins because of the, because there was a Chandra that, oh, yeah, um, had the passive ability of whenever a loyalty counter is removed from a planeswalker, that um that Chandra deals one damage. That'll do so it. So you get um one damage to target creature player, do you remember? Not off the top of my head. I it doesn't matter. You're still getting basically two 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 effects for you're getting one. It. Yeah. You're getting incident uh incidental returns off of it. There you go. Yeah. Um so and I even played with I even had like two of these in my in my deck whenever I was playing it. And this thing was an absolute beast because I could drop this turn two, come around, and there was a three drop Chandra. So I could... Oh, yeah. And so I could play that Chandra. And uh, I think... So that one didn't have a plus... I don't think that one had a plus ability. Okay. If it did, it was like something incremental. Mm -hmm. Like nothing really good. But you could still plus... You could... Oh, it was like plus one... Uh, Oh, well, that's true, too. I didn't think yeah, about that. Yeah, you can that. activate the You ability. can activate the Planeswalker ability, plus one. Then, this is a separate ability, so you can then remove the counter, deal the damage, get whatever the bonus is from the plus one ability of the Planeswalker, and you're attacking with a 4-4 Flying Vigilance. Wow, that is busted. Yeah. <laughs> can you see why that was in my deck? Wow, that is busted. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I now understand. Wow, that is that is amazing. And... What I'm really excited about with uh, um, with Neon with uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty coming out, mm -hmm. there's a creature in there that states on it the legend rule does not apply. Right, Mirror so, Gallery. Well, no, or not, no, no. Sorry, that's the that's the original one. Yeah, that's that, the new one. It's the Mirror Gallery on a body. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I want to rebuild a like really low to the ground uh, like aggro deck. Yeah. And throw in a place that of. Uh, Heart of Kirin. Oh man! And just 
have that one out and have four. four when you could do it, I mean, have, it's, have it's less than a dollar. <laughs> and here's the best part. Because the legend rule doesn't apply, I can have multiple Chandras out. Yeah. So even though I'm re- only removing one, if I have two of those Chandras out, I'm still dealing two damage just by removing one counter. I'd have to check on the rule because I, I I think that's that depends on how it's worded. But uh, I I think it's still as okay. the legend rule does not apply to. Well, no, I'm I'm talking more about the the oh no the pinging sh- damage. The Chandra is whenever a loyalty counter from any uh, red planeswalker you control. Oh yeah, that'll is do it. Remove. Okay, yeah, that's good. So good. That's why I like that card so much. Oh, All right, yeah, Joe, that's let's, amazing. Let's take us into the new ones coming out that we're going to be getting to play with tomorrow as of the recording of this episode. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. So this is Prodigy's Prototype. This is one of the new ones from Neon Dynasty. It is an artifact vehicle. It costs one generic, a white, and a blue. It has whenever one or more vehicles you control attack, create a 1-1 colorless pilot creature token with this creature crews vehicles as though its power were too greater. It has a crew ability of two, and it becomes a three-four once it is crewed. Now, this is definitely let's not let, let's not beat around the bush. This is the uh, signpost uncommon for the blue-white color pair in Neon Dynasty, and it is showing us that blue-white focuses on that's that's their thing. That's what they're trying to do, which is fine. It's not really much good outside of that, you know, because, again, you think about the deck you're looking to build with Heart of Kirin uh, and Red Planeswalkers. That's, this isn't going to do any good in that deck. However, uh, in a limited environment, being able to create that token that crews vehicles as though its power were too greater, that's going to make Crew 3 much more achievable. Whereas before, Crew 3 can be a lot. That's, that's a hefty amount. Crew 2 also can be a little challenging, but when you're getting a pilot token that crews as though it had a power of 3, that's pretty amazing. So we'll see how it goes, uh, but I am excited, and I know that if people want to play the Azorius color pair, they're going to need to have a Prodigy's prototype to really work that deck well. Finally, now if I remember correctly, I want to say this is the Megazord. This is the Mech Titan Core. It costs too generic. It is an artifact vehicle. It has as an activated ability for five generic, exile mech titan core, and four other artifact creatures and or vehicles you control. Create mech titan, a legendary 10-10 construct artifact creature token with flying, vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste that's all colors. When that token leaves the battlefield, return all cards exiled with mech titan core, except mech titan core, to the battlefield, tapped under their owner's control, and it has a crew of two. It is also a four. Let's be honest, and honestly, I only put this on the list because this is such a meme card. I just... (laughs) Well, I want to build the Megazord. Don't get me wrong. I really want to try, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) I just noticed something. Yes. So it's all colors, right? Yes. What are its abilities? Flying, blue, vigilance, white, white, trample, green, lifelink, uh, wait, yeah. well, lifelink would also be, well, lifelink could be associated with black as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and haste, haste for red. red. Yeah. So, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. So it has a, it has an evergreen ability that is yeah. most likely featured in, you know, those dominant colors. And, you know, I mean, now, even though it costs two to get out, 
you still have to have artifact creatures or vehicles. Well, it, but if you're running an artifact heavy deck, you know, I, I know that that's the only way you would play this. And Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is an artifact heavy set. It's artifact and enchantments. Um, I think it would be fun for the memes. That's it. Just just once to say I put the Megazord on the field. We'll see. Just for the meme. I'm <laughs> If I get one, it is going into my Vela deck. Oh, that would be so good. Because it's a whole bunch of artifact <laughs> creatures. Yes. And so I'm like, cool, let's just put the Megazord in. That would be awesome. So that gives you some of the featured cards that we're seeing with the, the crew, the vehicle creature type, and the crew mechanic. When we start looking at all of the cards that we have out there, the dominant colors are really a lot of colorless. They're, it's artifacts, let's be honest. There are three white... Five in blue, one in black, three in red, one in green, one multicolor, and as I said, 37 colorless cards. So by and large, the crew mechanic is based off of the uh, the color the artifact. It's colorless. Now I do also want to point out this was these numbers were compiled prior to the release of the deck list for the commander decks coming out with excuse me Neon Dynasty. So and I know one of the decks is based off of crewing vehicle. So those numbers don't reflect that deck and what might. But regardless, you can still see it's it's pretty easy to, to tell. It's a colorless color. We don't have a featured deck based off of vehicles. I know that, again, vehicles were rather popular during the Kaladesh block. Uh, Smuggler's Copter being one that was rather, rather popular. But it's also too early to tell with Kamigawa. And as you already said, that there are combos out there that work with the vehicles. So we're going to see what happens. There might be a, a nice vehicle-centered deck that makes its way to the forefront of the new standard. Or there may not be. We'll see. So I think it's time to move on to how we actually use these cards in play. So Chris, do you want to take playing with vehicles or playing against vehicles? Uh, I'll take playing with vehicles. Sounds good. All right, so... When you're playing with vehicles, first and foremost, you need resources to crew your vehicle. You need bodies to put into them so that they can so that they can transform and roll out. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. I see, <laughs> I see what you did there. That was good. And another thing that you want to think about is why use the specific vehicle instead of a uh, of simply a creature. Uh, usually, there is a good payoff to the vehicle. Um, uh, Pahelion. Uh, from uh, yeah. Pelion 2 from uh, War of the Spark. Yeah. That one, its crew cost is 4, I believe? Uh, it, it has a higher yeah. crew it cost. It has a higher crew cost, But yeah. it's also a 5-5 five, five that whenever it attacks, you create two 4-4 four, four flying angel creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. So you have 13 power right there. Right. Um, well, That you can a, swing with. There's a, the, in my Magda Brazen Outlaw deck, I use Untethered Express because it allows me to tap dwarves to crew the, the creature, crew the artifact, which when Magda's out gives me treasure tokens. So I'm it's it's just another way to activate it. And that one in particular, when it attacks, it gets plus one plus one counters put on it. So that's why I chose let's use Untethered Express instead of another tap source for for you know, get treasure token. Uh you also want to remember that crewing is an activated ability. Make sure you use it wisely. It only also only lasts until end of turn. So keep that in mind as well. Um, you'll also want to know the format that you're playing in, how light 
pr predominantly how likely you are to see artifact room because these are all artifact creatures and artifacts are one of the besides creatures artifacts are one of the next easiest to especially with all the artifact removal roaming around nowadays and depending on your format i mean commander it's extremely common to see artifact removal in a deck and you'll you'll come up against it especially so the ones that you're going to be particularly uh the two colors that you are particularly want to be uh, aware of is red and green because those ones are predominantly the ones where all the artifact destruction is done yeah um so just keep that in mind and they are uh your vehicles are going to be are going to be able to be uh, well for lack of better words they're going to die to removal because they once they become crude they then become an artifact creature so that just tacks on another way to be for removal so it's a double-edged sword at times because you're you're crewing it you're making it into an artifact creature for uh the payoff but at the same time you're also opening it up for a lot more removal and destruction so just be mindful of how you play it and make sure that you're trying to do the optimal play while also being aware of the ramifications of doing so, so that's my laundry list of uh, advice for uh, playing with vehicles. Joe, what about playing against? Well, before we move on to playing against, mm -hmm. I, I have a, a question because you you played in the Kaladesh block, mm -hmm. all right? I, I did not. So you have a lot more experience with a vehicle-heavy set all right, than I do. Would you say that if you are going to play a vehicle-centered deck or even play vehicles in general... A majority of the time, you should want to be aggressive with them, or is it better to hang back with them and let them do other things? So, now, I only played vehicles in one color, and that was my red deck. Right. Um. So, those ones are typically aggro. Uh, you will, t most likely than not, you will either see vehicles in either aggro decks or control decks. Okay. Because with the with the vehicles in the control decks, that's their win con. That's a late oh, game win con. Okay. okay. So once they're able to ma to establish control and maintain control of the board, then they can start crewing things and um, okay. Get but know, it is still an aggressive play yes. once they're ready to go to that point. Um, you'll most likely see it in aggro control or aggro. Okay. Um, maybe even like uh mid range decks. Okay. You might actually be able to see them in all of them, but it's most likely in an aggro shell. So then more that you need to think about, too. If you're going to be playing vehicles, odds are you're going to be doing some kind of aggressive attacking. Keep that in mind as well and plan those attacks accordingly. Right. And just uh, so another thing with playing with vehicles, uh, we said that the crew cost is uh, what's the wording on the crew cost? All right. So because crew means you because crew isn't the creature isn't tapping itself to activate the ability. It's right. Um, so you can actually use a creature to crew a vehicle the turn that it comes in and use that vehicle to crew another one that just came in to crew another one that just came in to crew another one that just came in and if you do it right you can actually drop a whole bunch of uh um uh vehicles and very easily play galta oh i see what you're saying i see what you're saying and then you tap galta to crew a submarine yes <laughs> yeah uh that is that is something to point out you're right uh because tapping the creature is part of an activated ability and the 
it is it doesn't include the tap symbol. Mm -hmm. You can use creatures that have summoning sickness to pay for the crew ability, and that does not violate any summons. That's a good so point. Typically, how you would want to do it is you would want to get your vehicle out first, and then play the creature play a creature that's able to crew it. Right. So your vehicle won't have summoning sickness, but your creature will. Yeah. But you can still use that creature to activate the crew to crew the vehicle. Then you. Which will then allow you to... Yeah. And, and be clear, you're talking about the first turn, play the vehicle. Next turn, play yeah. the creature. That, right. Yeah, so yeah. like for a smuggler's copter, mm -hmm. turn two, play that. Turn three, play a creature that's able to crew it. Yeah. And then tap the creature for to pay the crew costs because it's summoning sickness and get your bang for your buck. Yeah. And then you can swing in with a smuggler's copter. Awesome. Good information. All right, Joe, let's... Uh, what so, do you do... Yeah, when we're playing against vehicles, I guess you, you really, because you don't see vehicles very frequently, you really just have to ask yourself a couple questions. Number one, is it worth it to make the vehicle a priority? Because odds are your opponent has to sink a lot of resources into making that happen. Is it simply easier to remove the creature that need, that's needed to crew the vehicle? I mean, if you... <laughs> You're, you're, they're going to sit there with that artifact on the battlefield. If you take rid of the, if you take away the creature that crews it, it's just sitting there. So you really can prioritize your removal based off of what's available. And at the same time, if you're playing an aggressive deck, well, they're either going to have to block or crew their vehicle on a regular basis, which means they're still they only have one creature available. So are they deciding to use the creature they have on the field, or are they going to crew it for the artifact creature, the vehicle to come out and play? So it's you just need to ask yourself a lot of questions and evaluate the board state significantly. What is their deck trying to do? What's the purpose of that vehicle? What is your deck trying to do? Is it really worth it? All right. The other thing you got to remember, we talked about this earlier, that crew is an activated ability with tapping the creature being the cost. So once you really look at that, once that cost is paid, removing the creature will not stop the crew ability from going on the stack. It's going to hit the stack. You can remove the crew creature all you like, but that vehicle will become an artifact creature for that turn. You also need to make sure you're aware that crew only lasts until end of turn but they can activate the crew ability on your turn to make that vehicle a blocker as well. All right, so there's a lot going on, but really it's just evaluate the board, especially if you don't have removal in your hand. You know, evaluate the board as to what's going on, and then when you get the removal, decide what's really worth it. Uh, like I said, we, just, we don't see vehicles a lot because most of the vehicles out there aren't that good, but the ones that are good, Smuggler's Copter, are really good. And so you have to evaluate, you know, just how important it is to get rid of that card as opposed to another card. And I guess since we've discussed this at great length, the, the, you might see a random smuggler's copter show up in a deck from time to time, but by and large, you're not going to see a lot of these. It's just that they're not a card that get into a lot of the eternal formats. They just don't make the cut for it they're too slow. Even though they are cheaper to get out, having to allocate all the other resources it's just not worth it. just not worth it. chris i see you looking up something on your phone what you got going on so i looked the combo that we were talking about before the show yes um so it's for uh i can only see two right now because i'm not a member of the website right 
Um, the one that I was really interested in was uh, the one for Historic. Okay. And it's three cards. All right. It's Goblin Engineer, uh, Grease Fang. Uh, oh, the Okaba Boss. Okaba yeah, Boss. It's a new one from uh, and from Helion, Dynasty. For Helion 2. So turn two, you uh, play Goblin Engineer. Okay. And throw and put uh, Perhelion 2 into your graveyard. Okay. Um, or you can do so by with like uh, with uh, draw discard. Oh yeah, just get it into your graveyard. Yeah, you want to get into your graveyard as fast as you can. Okay. Uh, before you put out Grease Fang, because Grease Fang has the ability at the beginning of combat on your turn, return target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of your next step. So you can so turn two, you play Goblin Engineer, put. Uh, Perhelion 2 into your graveyard. Right. Turn 3, you play Grease Fang, bring the Perhelion out, and the Perhelion's crew cost is 4. Grease Fang is 4. 4 power. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. Grease Fang comes out, you use the ability, grab the Perhelion 2, use Grease Fang to grease the wheels and crew that vehicle. Right. And for and Perhelion is uh, from War of the Spark. Mm -hmm. It's a legendary artifact vehicle for six generic, a white, and a white, uh, with flying, first strike, vigilance, and when uh, Perhelion 2 uh, attacks, create two 4-4 four, four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. And it's a 5-5. Five, five. So turn three, you could have 13 power on. You could. And that's how that combo works. And in magical Christmas land. <laughs> well, it's in historic, so you can play four copies. Of it. Still in magical Christmas land. We'll see. Plus, I would like to see somebody try it and get it off and uh, and see if it actually works. Well, I have goblin, I have a goblin engineer and I have a Perhelion. All I need is the grease fang. Okay, we'll and, see. Uh, and I will try and get it to work. Okay, all right, all right. The other one is a little bit. The other one's for legacy. Gotcha. And yeah. that one deals with uh, Atsushi, uh, the Blazing Sun. Oh, where, the new where, right, right, the new dragon. Just, oh, and that uh, the card in question that I couldn't remember, enduring renewal. So. Oh, okay. So you sack blaze. So you sack blazing to Ashnod for the two mana. Yeah. Create your treasure tokens. Use two of them. Uh, and uh, enduring renewal will bring uh, blazing sky back to your hand instead of the graveyard. And you can just rinse and repeat and just amass yeah. a stack of nice of treasure tokens and dump that into whatever you want. Nice. Sounds good. Now we're gonna actually bring back a segment that we haven't done for a while. This is our extended reading segment. There, Chris found an article that I think is really interesting, and he really likes it as well. So it's and it's actually from within the past year. Uh, so Chris is going to tell you a little bit about our extended reading for you this. And this one actually fits into the wheelhouse of our episode because it's talking about um, mechanics and abilities. The title and it's titled "Magic: The Gathering: Why Are Some Older Build Older Mechanics Replaced?" Uh, it's by um, Lewis Kimner from uh, CBR.com. And though it was written in May of uh, 2021, uh, a few mechanics that are on there have reappeared uh, in later sets. A bulk of the mechanics have not been seen since they were originally debuted. And it not only talks about the mechanics that were gotten rid of, but also gives a brief explanation as to why they were scrapped, as well as what replaced certain mechanics, such as phasing being uh, replaced by flicker but lately there have been instances of seeing 
at least right now at the time of the recording, we are seeing more phasing come back to replace Flicker, uh, the Flicker abilities, um, because there are a lot of um, Enter the Battlefield effects that are very powerful. And it uh, and there was one uh, one section of the article where it talks about protection and shroud and stuff like that. Oh, nice! And it actually kind of mirrored it. It fell in line with our episodes on like how protection was just uh, how shroud was really broken. Protection was kind of broken. Hexproof was manageable, and then ward is the the happy of, medium. Yeah, the yeah. happy <laughs> medium on like being able to do something but having to pay more. Yeah. Um, so it covers, uh, I think it covers like, I think 10. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah. I want to say like, but it kind of touches on a few of them. Yeah. Um, some of them that st- stuck out to me was Chroma, which is, um, however oh, much colored right. mana is used to cast it. Yeah. What you, set did that come from? Meriden. Uh, it, uh oh, no, Sunburst came from Meriden. Oh, sorry. Uh, Chroma was, uh, was that um, Lorwyn? Lorwyn. Lorwyn. Um, then there was also Banding. Yeah, we don't talk uh, about banding. <laughs> banding is the new Bruno. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, it's really a fascinating article. Um, and it's a real quick yeah. read. It, it's, it has good information, but it's not like you have to spend, you know, a couple, you have to spend like 10, 10 or more minutes reading it to try and understand it. You can read it easily. And yeah. like, I think I read, now I can read fast. I read through it in like two and a half minutes. I actually timed myself. Yeah. And it, it's, it just gives you some good insight as to why they've chosen to discontinue some mechanics, why they weren't happy with some, and so they went and tried to make make adjustments to fix them, knowing that you, you can't really go back and, er, like, you can't errata protection. Mm-hmm. There's just way too many cards, and it, it functions within a certain certain scope within the game. But if you don't like protection, all right, well, they tried Shroud. Didn't really like that either, but it was an improvement. Then they you know, went with Hexproof, and now they're with Ward, and you can see where they're going with their different ideas. So it's it's a good article. Yeah. Personally, so going back to your Exalted one, mm-hmm. they actually kind of brought a modified Exalted back. Yes, I saw. Uh, well, in, uh, in uh, Mirrodin Besieged. Okay. So in the... Uh, the second Mirrodin block, mm-hmm. um, they had Battle Cry. Yes, that's and, true. Um, that one, instead of it being just one, mm-hmm. uh, being able to boost one, uh, the creatures had uh, Battle Cry N. Yeah. Um, and what that one was is um, each other attacking creature, whenever uh, whenever this creature attacks, each other attacking creature gets um, plus N plus O until end of turn. Nice. Um, and so... That one encouraged you to go wide, but it also made it to where it was still similar to Exalted by being yeah. very. If you have a, a bunch of these guys with Battle Cry ones and twos, that adds up really quickly. Yeah. So you can put a lot of power down range. But the downside to that one is it's only modifying the power, not the toughness. Right. Um. Yeah. So you can kind of see the tweak there. Yeah. And so, and the whole Battle Cry and. Uh, Exalted one, I after reading through that, I may I was able to make those logical uh, nice. connections. Yeah, um, it's good. Yeah, so if you want, give it a read. We'll definitely have the uh, link. To link it will in be in the, the show notes. Yeah, of course, so you can check it out. Um, and it's great because like, it's it's within a year old from mm-hmm. May twenty twenty one. So it gives a lot of good up to date information. Chris, I think 
we're about ready to bring the show to a close. We've gotten a lot of good information out there about vehicles and crew. Best of luck to people if, well, no, you won't hear this before pre-release, but best of luck to people going with the release episode or going with the release date for Neon Dynasty and hope you enjoy using that vehicle type again. Well, so let's bring this episode to a close. As I said at the top of the episode, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to give us a show idea, do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter using the handle at mtgunderthehood. And like I said, the Discord will be uh, up and running. I'm shooting for at least the first week of May. All right. Sounds great. I just have to figure out, I just have to find a list of all the bots that I've missed and, uh, no, it's good. We want to make, we want to make sure it's set and ready to go at launch so we don't have to take it down or tweak it too. Yep. So no, it's, it's fine. Take your time. And, uh, I think the biggest hurdle that I have besides the bots, the next thing, next big hurdle is, uh, coming up with the guidelines. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, so with that, thank you for listening to this episode of magic, the gathering under the hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.